Hey, I'm Marin Wen, and you're listening to PodNed, a podcast for nurses in the emergency department. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us on, I think this is episode seven. I've lost count now. I've done so many, which is really cool. I didn't think it would last two. I thought Marin and I would get sick of doing it, but we haven't. So today's episode um, is all about the clinical nurse consultant role, part of our series, which we didn't really name, but um, basically our series on explaining different roles within an apartment. Maybe succession planning could be mm. the name. Um, so last month we did uh, clinical facilitators, and we're going to chat to two fabulous CNCs today. We've got Gav, um, aka Carol Ann. Hello. And we've got Shannon. Hi. So um, I guess to start us off, what we might ask is how you guys fell into the CNC role. Ooh, okay. Um, For me, as some of you will already know, because I've spoken about this before, but I moved over from Scotland to Australia five years ago. And the job that I did back home before I came here was the nurse manager role. So I was a numb and I wasn't fortunate enough to have any CNCs in my department, so I was numb, CNC, nurse practitioner, you name it, I kind of covered all those um, roles. So when I came over here and I found um, a CN position in the hospital that we're in just now, and I um, sort of took a step back into the CN position, which I probably did for, I think, maybe about six months, and one of the other CNCs said, oh, you should apply to be acting in the CNC role and come and join us. Um, so that's what I did. There was an application came up for um, an opportunity to act in the role. So um, I applied and I got the job. And I think I was acting in the role for about 10 months um, when a permanent position came up. And I was successful for that. So um, that's kind of how I fell into it. Um, well, for me, I probably, I just went through the succession planning pathway, basically. So if that's what we're going to talk about, that's the way I fell into it. Um, I started at another facility as a registered nurse and I was in that role for probably six years before I came across to where we are now as one of the clinical nurses. And after about six months, again, I was also approached to say, how about you consider, um, taking a step forward and see if you would like to apply for the acting CNC role, which I did. Um, and I've been in and out of, I was in and out of the acting CNC role for a couple of years, as well as some other senior roles, just to broaden my knowledge before I ended up in my permanent position. So it was just going from the steps through, basically, from registered nurse to clinical nurse to CNC. It was just my natural, natural progression. It seems to be a natural progression for a lot of people, really, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I did the CNC role before I moved to Brisbane and it was the same. It was just like this natural flow if you liked clinical work. Um, I remember I I followed that path because I thought I'm going to get so much recess time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so awesome. Yeah. So that's why I did it and it worked because I, I just spent all my time in recess because every mm-hmm. time something big comes in, you get called into, this, into the room um, and it made my clinical skills so good to the point that I could do the educator role because I had consolidated my clinical ability and experience in a really big way. So I I love 
the CNC role, but I always used to, I said, I was a bit like you, Shannon, I acted in the role for a couple of years before I was able to land a permanent job. Um, and then 12 months permanent, it moved here. So, you know, I was like, oh, that's a bummer because I had to go back a level. But I feel like for me particularly, it had a shelf life. And I think the reason that I feel that way is that it was a constant putting out fires as well. Like mm -hmm. as, as great as it was to be so clinical and in so much of the recess, it was so hard to constantly just fix other people's problems. Yeah. And it got it got the better of me in the end. And and I had every intention of going back to the CNC role when I moved here. But the Monday to Friday life mm. got me. Yeah. So what? Why do you love it so much, Yeah, Because I know you you say to me all the time, "This is yeah." Your for thing. me, this is a perfect job, um, because it ticks so many boxes. So you're right. I get to be in resource a lot. Um, I also get to be an educator to staff. I also get to do a bit of quality work, um, in leading projects. I also get a little bit of management of staff. Um, and dealing with sort of staffing deficits and, and juggling all that kind of thing. Um, so I guess, you know, you're, you're clinical on the floor, but you're also teaching people. Um, you've also got your quality. You've got um, just so many different boxes it ticks for me. Um, Resus is my favourite place to be. And I get such a great reward of supporting new staff into Resus and teaching them, you know, how to assist in intubations and drugs and what have you. Um, so yeah, it's just, yeah, for me, it's just a perfect all rounder. Yeah. Uh, it, I would agree with that. It yeah. is very much an all rounder. Do you feel the same way, Shan? Oh, absolutely. And like you all, I've stepped into other positions to try different things, you know, patient flow and all sorts, but the clinical aspect of the CNC leadership role is definitely what draws me in. Mm -hmm. So I've yeah. tried other things, but CNC is definitely, and I think that, network of staff building that you have and working closely with your staff and again it's also the patient interaction we get called to to deal with patients mm -hmm. and when they're up there probably they're most vulnerable um so it's it's a skill it's it's something that you work really hard to make people's days better if you can so yeah, yeah. i'd agree with that that yeah. is um a great aspect so i guess that leads us to a really good segue in that what does a normal day for you guys actually look like? Because I know that the CNC role here uh, is very similar to other facilities in a lot of ways, but then there are different ways that you can fill a CNC role and the ways, different ways that departments will use the CNC role. Mm -hmm. So how would you explain your day? Yeah. I guess the difference between us and some other um, facilities is that we have eagles here um, I'm not even going to try and remember what EGLE stands Emergency for. Emergency Access Gui and Guidance Logistical Expert. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so basically they manage the flow side of things, which means that we can be much more hands-on involved clinically and they take care of our e-loss and all that kind of thing. So I guess my typical day is we have two shifts. We have a 6.30 to... 3 o'clock or sometimes 5, just depends if it's an 8 hour tenor because we do a mixture of both and we tend to have one cnc on in the morning who will cover both adults and pediatrics and then in the afternoon we'll have a half past two till 11 
CNC who will take the peds portfolio um, and look after the kids side and then the other one will be half two till 1am and they'll take over the adult side so one in the morning usually and two for the afternoon shifts um, so I guess if I'm on a morning shift the first thing I'll do is when I came up before I even put my bag down I just walk through the department I always go to recess first find out what kind of night they've had in there, find out what patients they've got there and just get a gist of it. And then I'll just walk through the department. I'll go then down into acute, I'll meet up with the acute shift managers, see how their night was overnight, go through CDU, short stay, round to kids, and then I'll head into our back office. And then I will have a look at staffing um, and we will allocate um, or the roles for the staff um, and making sure that we're, we're, we're fully staffed. Um, we also have our associate nurse managers who will, if we have staff who don't turn up or we're short staff, then they'll they'll follow that up for us. Um, but obviously, if it's a weekend or they're not there, then we we do that role as well. Um, so I guess it's just allocating, and then at seven o'clock we'll go out and we'll meet the staff and we will scrum, give them an update of what's been happening in the department, any changes. I always give them an overview of what's happening in the department which areas are nice and which areas are a bit busier. Um, and just sort of passing on any information really, don't we, Shannon? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, especially in today's climate, we've got our updates that we like mm. to keep everybody up to date with changes. So Scrum's a perfect opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then we'll head out on the floor. I usually go to recess and um, just get another full hand over there um, and then go through a queue and we'll start to round. Um, so as much as you have your plan in place of what you're going to do, you're also going to get, as Lisa says, you put out fires in a lot of places. So you'll have, oh, there's a patient here who's complaining um, about something and you'll go and listen to them. Or there'll be Ryan's rules where people, um, you know, want a second opinion on their, their care. Um, so that there's just lots of different things. Your phone will ring constantly. Um, the nurse hasn't turned up to take over from me. Go off while you have your placera. Yeah, so it's, it's a very, very busy role. Um, but so rewarding yeah and just keeping that calm level headedness um, for all your staff as well and, and just supporting staff making sure when you're going around because you'll see ones whose patient load might be a bit um, high um, in acuity and just being able to support them as well yeah. And I think for us, it's just being ready to do anything at the drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll attend all the category ones that present to the department, particularly strokes as well, and mm -hmm. do assessments on those. So that's often a big part of our shift. Mm -hmm. We carry a code grey pager, which is for us attending any behavioural uh, incidences that are happening throughout the department. So that can go off at any time. So we're just, we're kept on our toes. It's You can't say you have a consistent day because every day yeah. is different. Yeah. yeah, the jack of all trades. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I guess then that leads me to how, how does somebody or what piece of advice would you give somebody that thinks that sounds like them, that sounds like the role that they want to do? I think first and foremost is you need to know your craft very well. So you are going to be asked, um, you know, the buck's going to stop with you. So you really need to be on top of your game. So clinically you need to be sound. Um, we would expect um, anybody that wants to come into that role to have a real positive attitude as well. Um, we want, I mean, I think personality and being on top of your 
and top of your game is the two biggest things for me. Everything else can be taught. You know, we can teach you how to sort of manage different systems, um, how to sort of attend meetings and represent the department, all of that kind of thing. But I think as long as you've just got a really positive and supportive personality, um, and also, you know, you really need to know, you really need to know your skills inside out because people will not always know and they'll look to you to be that expert. Um, so I would say that you also have to have experience in team leader roles, particularly in resus. Um, and we tend to see people that will come through resus and we'll recognise people who we feel, you know, have the qualities and, you know, and if they're interested then... Um, we would absolutely support them and guide them into that succession planning. But also for those who um, would like to do that role but aren't quite there yet, then we support them in getting them, in getting them there, don't we? Yeah, yeah. I think um, really strong problem-solving skills is really important as well because you are brought problem after mm -hmm. problem after problem and it's being able to think outside of the box and not necessarily look for the obvious answer that is where yeah. we are and multitask without and multitask. getting without getting stressed or yeah you know. and again it's a skill that can be taught but it's it can be hard and it's mm -hmm. a slow process sometimes the problem solving one but it's definitely one that you want to want to have and develop or work on developing yeah would you advise people to get a mentor do you think yeah for absolutely. sure absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah we have our we. We have pod groups as well, so we can, with um, from AINs through to CNs that we support in succession plan as well, so we do try and encourage people to link in with their pod group leaders as mentors as well, but again, it's about fit, and um, yeah, we would strongly encourage you finding a mentor that, that fits for you. Yeah, I think I, I'm a big advocate for mentors. I, I'm definitely, every time I have a new challenge or a new role, I find somebody in that space that m might not be... Um, my direct line, mm -hmm. but someone that I just think has the skills that I really want to hone in on. Yeah. That maybe I don't feel that confident in. Mm -hmm. Not just clinical skills, but like yeah. like you said, leadership. Yeah. Things like that, because um, that is a very hard thing to teach. It's mm -hmm. something that you kind of develop yeah. through through mentorship yeah. I think and I think your mentors and your CNCs can guide you to the right courses that you might be interested uh -huh. in because we've all been there and we've done them and we've trialed them and we yeah. we know which ones we enjoyed and which ones we think will be beneficial so there's that sort of guidance and support a mentor can offer you as well yeah that's really cool mm -hmm. Well, that was cool, girls. I um, Thanks for that. I really loved the CNC role while I did it and it made me grow and I honestly believe that the cnc role makes you perfect for anything else as well mm -hmm. like i've i've done quite a few different roles and like i said earlier it certainly helped me with the nurse educator but it helps you like you said because you've got to do everything it just helps you round out your experience mm -hmm. i think so um i definitely advocate for people if they're keen that yeah. that's that's a succession plan to follow it's a great job yeah Love it. yeah, yeah. agreed Mm -hmm. um now shannon gav has already asked these questions because she's a regular on the show um but you're new to the show today so um i've got our famous three questions for you so are you ready oh yes so number one what is the most profound experience that you've ever had uh i think probably the most profound experience was actually the 
first time I cared for someone who came in conscious and talking and lovely um, through to the moment she left us. And it wasn't even just about her, it was about her partner as well um, and being there for a completely uh, sad but wonderful moment in that that lady's life, I think that really just got to me and it's something I've never experienced to that degree again. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just a beautiful moment. And then speaking to the, the family again a couple of weeks later when they asked to, to talk to me was really quite lovely. So going back and speaking to somebody again, because from a perspective for us, we don't get to go back yeah. very often. Mm-hmm. And we got to go back, which was really nice. That's so, so wonderful. It was probably it's, the first time I, I was able to care from someone in that mm. process that's Again, really nice that, to do often. yeah that's really nice that you're able to feel that because we do it so often to, to have that kind of gratitude to mm. be able to be part of that moment for that family yeah really, absolutely oh that's a great and profound a, experience. a memory that will never ever ever leave me because a lot no. of people talk about the birth as being a profound experience but i think that's mm. pretty amazing yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome love it yeah Okay, number two, what is the greatest thing that anybody's ever done for you? Um, probably the simplest but greatest thing is when I finished my grad program, I moved from Tasmania to Queensland and very early in the piece. Um, I didn't know anyone when I moved up here. I started at a completely new hospital. I had lived in a completely different city. I didn't know anybody. Um, I lost a relative and I went to work that afternoon and one of the girls took me under her wing and said, do you want to come over for, this is a late shift, do you want to come over for a movie and a coffee afterwards? I said, yes, please. (laughs) And I still work with her today. She's one of our nurse practitioners here. Um, And this is at a different hospital and she looked after me, but it was just, I had no one. She didn't know me, but Mm. I was a little innocent 21 year old that didn't know anything and she looked after me and it was just I was so grateful to have someone in that moment when I didn't think I'd have anyone oh that's nice. so nice yeah. and you still get to work with them yeah it's really cool <laughs> yeah um okay number three is what is one piece of advice that you would give us this can work in all aspects of life but I think to look after others you have to look after yourself so it doesn't matter if you're looking after your children or your family or your patients or their family to be able to look after someone you have to look after yourself so remember to have good well-being take care of yourself Mm. and yeah remember sometimes you have to put you first to be able to look after others that's awesome i love that yeah absolutely love that because yeah how can people know to look after themselves if the one that they're looking at is not? And I think it's so yeah. easy to get run down. And yeah. Particularly if yeah. you're a mum. Yeah. I, I feel that way. Yeah. And when I do mum things like go out with the girls, I yeah. say, this is me looking after myself, mm-hmm. which is what I want you to do when you're older. So. Yeah. And yeah. now, but I'm there to look after them now. So. Yeah, absolutely. Great mm, piece of advice. Awesome. Love it. You did really well. Really, like, put you on the spot there, and you yeah, came up at those. Yeah, spot, yeah, yeah. Well done, yeah. well done, you. Yeah. yeah. Everyone else asks for you know, just give me a minute. I think <laughs> yeah. it took Mirren like a week. It's like, come on, man. Oh, I had to get away. Yeah. Jeez. 
Well, we talked about this before we started, so, you know, yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you, ladies. It was really nice. Um, it was a nice excuse to come back and see you, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next week, I actually don't know what role we're doing next week. It's still part of the series, but Marion carelessly went on holidays and left me here to fend for myself, which mm. is why she's not on this episode. But um, she'll be back, and we'll all plan and pops, pop, pop, perhaps pop something on the Facebook group about what's next. But... Yeah, thanks. Awesome. All right, thank you.